Welcome back to That 70s Card Show. I'm your host, John Keating, and I thank you for joining me as I take a look back at the cards and the culture of the very colorful 1970s. We'll revisit a more simple time in our hobby by taking a deep dive into the sets and the stats with a generous amount of dad facts sprinkled in. That 70s Card Show is currently sponsored by Nobody. If you have a comment or suggestion, I urge you to drop me a line at that70scardshow at gmail.com, that70scardshow on Facebook, or at 70s card on Twitter, all spelled out with no numbers. I'd like to begin by apologizing again to Ray Fonio, also known as Ray from Philly, for our technical issues that we had on last week's episode. Uh, we'll be having Ray on to discuss his passion project, the Baseball Card Hall of Fame, in the very near future. I implore you to stop by uh, Ray's YouTube channel, Ray from Philly, and uh, enjoy the content that he provides to us there for free. This is episode five, Keep the Change. In the fall of 1973, I had just begun the first grade in the city of Philadelphia, the youngest of three boys in my family. As the last to arrive in the family, I was often left to my own devices or most likely attached to my mother's hip. The oldest two boys were paired as a dynamic duo who had somehow labeled themselves Mike and Dick. Their real names were Joe and Paul. I'm not sure why a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old needed pseudonyms. Regardless, this story centers around the escapades of my middle brother Paul, or Mike, or Dick, to this day I don't know who is who, and how it led me to a lifelong obsession with collecting sports cards. The story begins with our most likely very haggard mother sending my brother Paul to the store to buy a gallon of milk. We probably needed milk, but she probably needed Paul out of the house just as much. Mike and Dick could be a handful when they teamed up. Off Paul went to the corner store with a crisp new $5 bill in his hands to pick up a gallon of milk, most likely a pack of L&M cigarettes, and to burn off some excess steam he possessed. Before exiting our row house, my mother, with me attached to her hip, uttered the words, keep the change and get what you want with it. This turned out to be a subjective declaration. Off Paul went into the bustling streets of the city, no doubt dressed like an extra from the Partridge family, in search of milk and cigs and a hip pocket flush with cash. Paul returned home 15, 30, 40, or even 60 minutes later. The exact passage of time is lost to history. What is clear as day in my memory is the sight of my brother crossing the threshold of our home after an honest hour's work servicing his family. My brother had made it through the concrete jungle physically unharmed as well. Something was different about Paul, though. All four of his pant pockets were bulging, as if he were a scarecrow stuffed with straw. And his cheeks were swelled to their maximum capacity. He had a big mouth to begin with. And his face was covered with a powdery substance reminiscent of the future role Al Pacino would play in Scarface. Paul was also carrying two bags, One contained the milk and cigarettes. The other was about to be unveiled to my mother in very dramatic fashion. My mother knew something was up just by looking at Paul. Moms know all. She immediately went full red mist on my brother. She asked for the remainder of the $5 that wasn't used. This is where the generation gap comes in. My mom considered change to be coins. My brother Paul had a much broader interpretation. 
When you factor in a gallon of milk in 1973 cost $1.31, and a pack of cigarettes was 33 cents, yes, that's 33 cents for a pack of cigarettes, then my brother stood to receive a very generous 36 cents in tippage. My brother believed he was entitled to the full $3.36 in change for his toils. Though they disagreed on the semantics, the damage had been done. At five cents a pack, my brother had just become the proud owner of, by my forensic math, 67 wacky packages, packs of stickers, each containing a plank of sugar-coated tooth-torturing gum. The second bag contained the estimated 134 stickers he unwrapped and placed within. The wrappers themselves had been placed into each of the pockets so as not to upset the aesthetically pleasing inner-city landscape. I credit my brother for uh, his eco-friendly gesture. I'm not sure when I saw my brother next, as he was frequently sent to solitary confinement for various infractions during our early years, usually during birthday parties, including his own. I certainly don't know what became of the bag of wacky packs following the court's judgment on what keep the change really means. I do know that a brief glimpse I got of the beautiful cards in the bag, the bulging cheeks of the most diabolical edible ever introduced to man, and the shiny wax wrappers had me at first sight. I was hooked indeed. So happy happy birthday to my brother Paul, or Mike, or Dick, and I thank you for taking one for the team. So I began my lifelong journey as a collector, and from that day forward, it was never the same for me. So let's talk a little bit about wacky packages that were shortened to wacky packs by the kids who collected them. There were 16 series produced between 1967 and 1977, uh, with some reprints and several new series released up to the present day. It seems that every time Topps has printed those, uh, they become instant hits. So it's kind of a uh, go-to that they use, and uh, they're pretty successful at it. From 1973 to 1977, 16 different series were produced and sold, originally with series 1 through 15 in 5-cent packs containing two stickers, a stick of that famed bubblegum, reportedly not chewed by a majority of collectors, and a puzzle piece with a sticker checklist on the back of it. So essentially it was like those Topps uh, baseball cards where you had a uh, the, all the checklists uh, flipped over and they made a puzzle. So, uh, you know, kind of like the in-action 1972 series of Topps baseball. At the height of their popularity in 73-74, wacky packages outsold baseball cards when they were by far the most sold trading card items in the United States. No doubt aided by my brother's caper. A 1973 Philadelphia Inquirer article uh, says, stores across the country routinely put up signs saying no wacky packs to ward off the hordes of potential buyers. It kind of reminds you of uh, what's going on today in in our industry. 1973 New York Times article uh, quoted the Graysons of New York. Uh, they are lucky that Scott keeps his wacky packs in stacks. Other parents from here to California have complained that they found stickers affixed to the refrigerator, chests of drawers, the walls, the family car, and the television set. So no doubt Scott Grayson is still collecting and sitting on a pile of pristine George Brett rookie cards in my mind. 
Wacky packs were sold in 45-count boxes at $0.05 cents per pack. There were OPG versions as well, and there was 27 to 33 cards per series. The fourth series that I'd like to focus on uh, due to my brother's shenanigans, uh, full set will run you about $110 for ex- excellent condition, up to $225 for near mint. Commons are $1.25 or $2.75 depending on condition. Uh, some of the titles were Milk Foam, Cheapios, Wrinkled Wrap, Gatorade, that's A-I-D, not A-D-E, Choke Wagon, uh, a pun on Chuck Wagon, and uh, that was pulled from circulation, Hipton Tea Bags, Fang, which was a parody of Tang, Raw Goo instead of Ragu, Chef Girl RD, Dampers instead of Pampers, and Grazen Brand instead of Raisin Brand. Uh, we really fell for that that humor back then. Uh, there is a current PSA 10 Quacker Oats listed at a buy now price of two thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars. That's PSA 10 Quacker Oats twenty nine ninety five. Uh, series one, which I believe is a nineteen seventy nine Series one set, recently sold for five thousand four hundred thirty eight dollars last week on eBay. And in an absolute wonderful incidence of crossover, the 1973 Tops baseball with wacky packs checklists on the back are a rare, rare item indeed. Uh, the unusual crossover errors occurred uh, are some of the most challenging wacky package items that are hard that hardcore collectors pursue. They were the result of an unusual printing error. Two series, uh, series one and series two of the 1973 baseball cards accidentally had first series wacky packages checklists printed on the back. The error was not caught before they were distributed to the public. Uh, so yeah, out of that, that 1973 set, you can get a Pete Rose with a wacky pack checklist on the back. Uh, the interesting thing about that is they are so hard to find uh, because obviously you have two different segments of collectors vying for the same era cards. So there's your wacky packages uh, collectors and your uh, baseball card collectors both looking for those cards. Can't find any myself. I've been looking, looking, looking all week. So I'll be back Sunday with a special episode celebrating Father's Day. If you have a comment or suggestion, or perhaps you have a set from the 1970s you'd like to hear more about, please reach out to me at that70scardshow at gmail.com, that70scardshow on Facebook, or 70scard on Twitter. Please enjoy this music by Mango Safari, available on iTunes. Keep on collecting, folks.